Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. When we begin in any generation, when we begin to make light of prophecy, either to use it lightly, frivolously, or to disregard it, we enter into dangerous territory. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland, and this is The Leader's Notebook. We're far along in a series that I've been teaching based on my newest book, my 20th book, as a matter of fact, called Of Kings and Prophets. I very much want you to have this book. I'm blessed at the response to it. It's been received very well. I think of it as a, a companion piece to the bestseller that I had on the life and leadership of King David called David the Great. They're not exactly part one and part two, but I think of them as, as kind of fitting together. If you read David and you loved it, I know you're going to love of kings and prophets. If you haven't got them both, I want you to have them both, particularly now. This newest book of Kings and Prophets, at the end of this podcast, the announcer is going to come on and tell you how you can acquire of Kings and Prophets. Maybe you want to get multiple copies. Remember, Christmas is coming, and you can fill up all the Christmas stockings with copies of this new book. And I I know you'll love it. I know you'll be blessed by it. On last week, we talked about the transition of power between Elijah and his associate, if you will, his, his understudy, Elisha. We talked about the, some of the secrets that make transitions of power, transitions of leadership really work, and it did work. Elisha now enters in to his own level of great prophetic ministry. Elisha is clearly in the the stream of authority from Moses, Joshua, Elijah, because they are all used in a confirming um, miracle of parting a body of water. Moses parts the Red Sea, Joshua parts the Jordan, then Elijah parts the Jordan, and then Elisha parts the Jordan. So God uses that moment to say, I'm not just the God of Moses, and I'm not just the God of Elijah, but I'm also the God of Elisha. Now, there is an event that happens almost immediately after Elisha is confirmed as a prophet of the order of Elijah. And it is a complicated and troubling episode, but I want to deal with it. A group of young men surround Elisha. The English uh, translation gives the word boys, but the Hebrew allows for this word to be translated young men. This makes a difference. Um, An intimidating gang of 19-year-old men is completely different than the mere uh, experience of a group of 10-year-old boys. However we translate the word boys or young men this group of young males begins to mock Elisha and tease him because he's bald. It is interesting and and humorous a little bit that this is one of the only times in the whole Bible that we're given much of an insight into what a prophet looked like. But Elisha is bald. So these, these young guys start calling Elisha baldy and insulting him. 
Elisha then places um, a curse, if you will, on them, and immediately two female bears charge out of the woods and kill these young men, all 42 of them. This is truly a disturbing story. We might be tempted to blame Elisha as being hypersensitive. Sure, he's being insulted and mocked, but good lands, it's just a bunch of guys teasing him, and this doesn't warrant having them all killed. But there's far more than that being said here. We must take the message of this moment seriously because uh, it speaks to us about how we respond to the supernatural authority of God. The simple truth here is that God will not have his word or those who deliver his word mocked. God says, I I will not be mocked. We ought to think about this in the casual and sometimes borderline irreverent contemporary church culture. These young men mocked a man of God, and they came under a curse as a result. I, I, I just want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God is going to send a bear to eat every person who ever laughed at their preacher. But this curse caused their protection to be lifted. They were devoured by the forces of nature. This story is not about Elisha's petulance. It is about respect for God, respect for the things of God, respect for the word of God, and respect for his prophets. May God restore respect for the things of God in the house of God today. Irreverence is an absolute shame on the face of the contemporary church. May God restore reverence. Now, it also speaks to those of us who declare the word of God. If those who hear the word of God and see the prophets who preach the word of God are held to an account, what about those who who declare the word of God? It means that we also cannot mock the gifts of the Spirit, we cannot mock prophecy, and we cannot use it frivolously. We cannot say, thus saith the Lord, when we haven't heard from God. So if bears would destroy those who mock a prophet, how much more destruction is upon those who are false prophets? Now, then we come to the, to the second to a, another, in other words, another supernatural moment in Elisha's ministry. And it's, it's very important. It also reveals something, as that one did. So Elisha's first encounter with the king is with Jehoram, the king of the northern kingdom. Jehoram is a wicked son of the wicked king Ahab. He rules from Samaria At the same time as a good king, Jehoshaphat is ruling Judah from his capital at Jerusalem. These two kings, Jehoshaphat, the good king of Judah, and Jehoram, the wicked king of Israel, form a military and political alliance uh, with the king of Edom. These three kings plan to attack the Moabites who have been subject to the authority of Israel and have decided to stop paying their tribute and therefore are in rebellion. Now, it's interesting to me that Jehoshaphat goes into this unholy alliance. It is a mistake on Jehoshaphat's part. Not necessarily a sin, but it is a mistake. We must be careful with whom we form alliances. Jehoshaphat should never have put himself and his troops 
in alliance, a political or military alliance with the Edomites and with the people of the northern kingdom. Anyway, these three armies combined now march out through the desert to face the enemy, the Moabites. They get out in the desert and there's no water and they have this massive army and all this livestock and all these soldiers and they realize they're going to die of thirst out in the desert. It's, it's a tactical error, a huge error that could endanger all their livestock, their, their armies and the kings. Seeing the danger that they're in, Jehoshaphat asks Jehoram, is there a prophet? Meaning, can't can we get a man of God in here to help us with this situation? Jehoram replies, yes, let's call Elisha. So they call Elisha and he comes out to the army camp. There are thousands of men and horses and camels and livestock of every kind out in the middle of a desert dying of thirst. And when Elisha approaches, the men cry out to him, help us, help us, please help us. Elisha looks at the king of Israel, Jehoram, and he says, if it wasn't for the king of Judah who's here, I wouldn't even talk to you. I wouldn't help you. I'd let you die of thirst here in the desert. Isn't that amazing? He, he is so strong that even in the midst of a momentary or existential crisis, he denounces the wickedness of the king of the northern kingdom. This is not some respectful way to speak to a king, but everyone in the desert knew that about those 42 boys that had been eaten by bears. No one wants to cross Elisha, especially when you are desperate for his miraculous help in a desert when you're dying of thirst. So the king keeps his silence. Prophet tells the kings what to do. Now, now listen when the prophet Elisha tells them this. He says, dig ditches all over this desert. And tomorrow, when you wake up, the ditches will be full of water. Th this is a perfect visual of faith in response to the word of God. What everyone in that massive army wants is for Elisha to pray down rain immediately just as his mentor, Elijah, prayed down fire on Mount Carmel. They just want him to pray and make it rain. They're exhausted, hot, dehydrated, in the middle of the desert, dying of thirst, and he says, dig ditches. Surprisingly, they do it. In other words, the three kings must have agreed and ordered their men. They are obedient to this, in this moment, certainly Ahab was disobedient and everything else, but in this one moment, they were obedient. When they wake up the next morning, a rainstorm has begun at the other end of the desert in, in Edom. They can't see it rain. They can't hear the thunder. There's no lightning. But in the night, the water has run over the ground this hard-baked desert ground, because it can't soak in, it pours down the desert, running south toward the Dead Sea, and it fills those ditches with water. Now the army has water, but it's even a greater miracle than that. When their enemy, the Moabite army, comes up over the top of the hill to attack them down in the desert— the morning sun hits those ditches at a certain angle, and because of the color of the desert, which is red, 
it looks like the valley is full of blood. So the Moabites say, look, these three armies have turned on each other. The whole valley's full of blood. They've killed each other, and the, the valley floor is soaked in blood. So the Moabites simply put their swords back in their scabbards and walk down to the desert floor just to pick the loot from all these dead bodies. They assume their enemies are all dead. Of course, they're not dead. Instead, the Israelites, the Edomites, and the Judeans pick up their swords and kill all the Moabites. It's a total victory in a single battle, and nobody in the three armies is killed because the the enemy walks into their camp as if to say, just, here we are, please kill us. But it's because they have been fooled by a visual that they can't explain. They think the whole valley is full of blood. Now listen to this. First, when you need water and God says dig ditches, dig. Do the hard thing that comes with the word of the Lord that is often a precondition of the promised blessing. Do that and wait on the blessing. Second, don't dig just one ditch. Elisha says, fill this valley with ditches, and they do. This is a a continuing motif in Elisha's ministry. Be passionate. Keep digging. If you want more water, dig more ditches. Don't just stand in the middle of the desert and pray for rain. Dig ditches. We can make that application to our lives in a million ways. When God speaks, obey, obey immediately and obey enthusiastically. Third, Keep in mind that the water came down from Edom. It is a great truth that what God does elsewhere can affect what happens to us where we are in supernatural ways. If that's true, the reverse is also true. What God is doing in your life can affect somebody far away whom you don't know and may never know. There was nobody in the northern end of Edom who said, Wow, it's starting to rain. This is going to work a miracle way down south in the desert. There may be things that God is doing right now, right where you are, that will have tremendous influence and effect on somebody far away in supernatural ways that you can't even imagine. Fourth, God can provide for you and at the same time confuse the enemy of your soul. Notice that all the three kings asked for was water, and God gave it to them. They did have the water. But God also had a higher purpose, a higher answer, a better answer than what they even asked for. All they wanted was water. Instead, God gave them complete victory. Trust God to do more, to have more than one purpose for the things he does on your behalf. Those are the first two dramatic moments in Elisha's dramatic ministry. What do they speak? They speak to us of respect and obedience, reverence for the things of God and reverence for the word of God, and second, obedience to the word of God. And both of them are very sobering stories. I hope this has been useful for you. I hope you're enjoying this series on of kings and prophets. Now stay tuned. The announcer is going to tell you how you can get copies of of kings and prophets. Until we meet again, this is the Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. 
To order a copy of Dr. Mark Rutland's new book of Kings and Prophets, please visit the store at drmarkrutland.com. Enter promo code KINGS30 to receive 30% off of each book. Or call us toll-free at 888-823-8772. Thank you for listening to The Leader's Notebook.